on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, May 29th. LA Galaxy 1-0 losers to Charlotte at home. Chicharito gets a two-yellow card, red card in the closing minutes. Greg Vanny, Will Koontz, players all talking to the Angel City Brigade after the game. Chris Klein drops in on a press conference with Greg Vanny. That's interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, not to mention that very shortly going to be joined by the senior vice president of player personnel, Will Koontz, for his first time on our show. So we got a lot to get to, and a man who just raced back from the airport, probably in record time. Uh, nobody do the math on that. He'll probably get a ticket if you do. Uh, we're be- glad to have Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, in with us. Kevin, you just got back from the airport and bore your arms tired? Yeah, boy, I sure got a ticket. What is that shirt you're wearing? Uh, it's my. It's the kit, the kitten bone one. It says Lost Angels on it. It's like sort of a, a play on Los Angeles. You know that that type oh, of God. type of fun stuff. But, I mean, I have my ticket shirt on, celebrating the victory yesterday. Okay, good. I'm glad. I, how? Where? 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 You were down in Mexico, right? I was uh, in Laredo, Texas, and Nuevo Laredo, going back and forth across the border, covering their baseball team, which is the only professional team in the world that plays half its games uh, on one side of the border and the other half on the other home games on the other side of the border. Ooh. So binational. I've never been in a place like Laredo, Texas, in the United States, where Spanish is so prominent. I lived in Miami for seven years, and a lot of people speak Spanish, but you still do hear English. Signs are in English. Laredo, Texas, is really part of Mexico. Everybody speaks Spanish. And speaking of which. By the way, um, I, when I got back, I got a call from a friend who said, I told him we was doing Corner of the Galaxy, and he said, it should be corner, dark corner of the galaxy. <laughs> and I'm going to steal. I told him I would steal that because I can't give him credit because he works with the galaxy and we get in trouble. So dark corner of the galaxy. But while I was in Laredo on my way to the airport and the Uber to the airport, um, again, speaking to the guy in Spanish, um, he learned I was from Los Angeles and unprompted. Uh, he just said, man, the galaxy are a mess. What's wrong with Chicharito? <laughs> Don't you love that? So it's. It's not a secret anymore. People in Laredo, Texas know all about it. I will say this, that that does once again prove the reach that the, I think the LA Galaxy have, right? I mean, there there is something to that. I get asked about it if I go to London. I get asked about the LA Galaxy. If you say you're from Los Angeles, that type of thing. Um, you know, those conversations are had 
that's there. I'm just it's just not a positive discussion anymore. And it hasn't been a positive discussion basically since 2017. Maybe Zlatan, whenever Zlatan came in 2018, 2019, there was some excitement around things again. Um, but certainly looking at where the LA Galaxy are right now, I, I was trying to think of something to sort of say, how are the LA Galaxy position right now? And I'm like, OK, so they're holding up the entire table. So what holds up the entire table? It's not a table leg. Um, it's like the very bottom part of the table leg where you put the piece of felt underneath the, uh, underneath the leg, Kevin. So that way it like slides. So it doesn't scratch your wood floors. That's what the LA galaxy are right now. They're a piece of felt between a table leg and the floor, helping the rest of the league slide over your wood floor without scratching it. That's how low they are. I think that's an insult to, to table leg felt thingies. Um, but, by the way, you're right about this Uber driver. I never thought of it from that perspective. He, he could have said, it. wow, what's go- going on with Sporting Kansas City? Or, my God, what's wrong with the Minnesota right. uh, team? You know, what's wrong with the Loons? Why aren't they winning? Yep. No, he didn't say that. He said the Galaxy are a mess. He didn't really care about anyone else in MLS. We're going to talk about Charlotte. We're going to talk about all that. We have uh, Will Coons coming up here in just a couple minutes. I want to get to some super chats because you guys have already been filling them up. Uh, Francisco, $10 super chat says for years, fans warned us we were headed to rock bottom front front office, always disputed it. Now it's indisputable. We've heard all the excuses. What needs to change? that we haven't already been spoon fed by the front office. True. Okay. I, I don't have answers for you. Uh, Andrew, by the way, writes in $5. When will enough be enough for AEG and Dan Beckerman? How do you not respond to the latest embarrassment? Very good. question. I had, I met, I ran into somebody outside of uh, an ice cream shop that knows, uh, that knows some things about soccer and, and knows that I'm a, I'm a podcaster and reporter about it. And we had a discussion about the LA galaxy. Uh, it was, it was not a fun discussion about the LA galaxy. I, I, I sort of along the same lines as, uh, Andrew was when is enough is enough. You, I, I feel like there's moves that the LA galaxy can make right now that would relieve some of the pressure that clearly is mounting to on, on the players and on Greg Vanny and all those things. Uh, Ronald gave us a $20 super chat as well. says when is enough as en- when is enough enough. It's clear. Fans are frustrated. I mean, fans are frustrated. Players are frustrated. I think Greg Vanny's frustrated. Um, all those things. It, it, listen, it all builds up, Kevin. We've seen we've seen 2017. By the way, I would like to point out that the 2017 year, the LA Galaxy got the wooden spoon. Uh, this is currently worst on points through 14 games. Oh, yeah. They're, they're totally looking up at 2017. Yeah. They wish they were 2017. <laughs> at this point, they wish they were 2017. I mean, you realize that if you had double the points, if the LA Galaxy had double the points that on the table, they'd still be in 16th or 17th place. That's how far down... They are in the cellar, which is if you had 18 points right now, I think you're in 17th place in the in, in Major League Soccer in the overall table. That's well, that, that's these, crazy. I wanted to go back to something you said at the beginning, where um, I know that Chris Klein and, and Dan Beckerman have have had meetings with some of the supporters groups, and and my understanding from those meetings is that Chris Klein really did did not give any answers, and and Beckerman sort of tried to negotiate. But my point is, aside from those meetings, neither one of those guys that I know of have said anything publicly. Um, so Dan Beckerman has been, again, you know, completely AWOL. Chris Klein's been in hiding. Uh, Greg Vanny has had to, uh, like Chicharito, has had to face the scrutiny of the media and try to explain this. And his answers are getting repetitive. To me, they sound like it's the same thing every week, which clearly suggests to me that he doesn't really have a grasp on how to solve this either. And, and that's obvious because if he knew how to solve it, he would solve it. And he's not doing this on purpose. That, that's why it's interesting that Will Kuntz is going to come on tonight. It's so important because – this is one guy that, and, and and by the way, we haven't heard from Phil Anschutz at all, and and you know if Phil's what, aware of what's going on. What's Phil supposed to call into? Did I miss that? Did I, did I miss scheduling that one? The whole Maybe. Okay, let, let's I, let's get on. I'm but, wondering how much does, does yeah. Phil know about this? No, it's a great question. Um, 
I want to preface this before we start because Will's about to call. Um, we did not give Will any questions ahead of time. He did not pull anything off the table. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said to make sure that, you know, the questions were fair and tough. And I, and I think, I think we would do that. When I went to him and said, will you be on the show? And I said, well, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, we can talk about what the subjects will be ahead of time. And, and, you know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try not to grill you too much. And he said, no, I want tough questions. He sort of came to us and said, you know, beat me up a little bit. You know, that's, that's well, I didn't say that exactly. No, he didn't. No, he, no, didn't. he wanted, he wanted tough questions. He wanted this to be a serious journalistic endeavor as much as we can ever make it. I was going to say, serious, was, who's, our journalistic. Yeah, I was, but that, that's what he wanted. He, he did not want to come on and just get softballs. No. And, and, and by the way, I don't think we have ever, and I know this for sure. We've never sent questions to anybody ever on the history of this podcast since 2009. I've never sent questions, but I've, I've told them I've discussed topics right? But never like, hey, here's the questions beforehand. So you can be ready. That's never happened on this podcast. Most of these guys, by the way, I will say this, and I will continue to say this This is my opinion, my opinion only. The guys who know what they're doing, the guys who want to talk, who want to share, um, you know, you can you can tell those guys who those guys are. And when you tell who those guys are, right? Um, you, you know, you, like, like they, they want to discuss things. Um, Dennis DeClosa was on this podcast all the time, Kevin. He wanted to discuss things. He wanted to discuss things all the time, anytime uh, that we could do it. So uh, here, you, t- you talk for like two seconds while I attempt to transfer this call over and actually make something uh, something work here. Well, and Chris Klein used to be on this show occasionally as well. He um, did. Hasn't been on for a while. Um, and, and we've asked them, you know, uh, the invitation's always been open to Chris Klein. We have, uh, Josh, you have, I have not had this conversation, but you've gone to Yovan numerous times and told him that this was always open and and he's you know reacted in different ways sometimes he said i'll be yep. there you know let's do it and then other times it's like yep. uh you know there's no response it's not like we're sitting here taking shots at guys and, and i don't think we're taking unfair shots yeah. in in any case but it's not like we're not giving them a chance to respond they know they can come on here anytime all they need to do is ask well, and, well, and we ask will and will's on yeah we'll we'll see if we uh, got all the buttons pushed right correctly and and we'll do it uh now joining corner of the galaxy for the first time very glad to have him here uh the senior vice president of player personnel i believe i got that right uh mr will Kuntz. well can you can you hear us I do. That's uh, quite the ominous preamble. <laughs> hey, your pictures. There's no. There's no Will Coons picture on here. No, no. I was. I we were scrambling today, Kevin. All right. You were driving back from the airport. You barely made it. I. I was. You know. I was out doing stuff with the family. But no, Will. We're. Uh, we're very. Thank you for joining us. First of all, I know we've been uh, sort of stretching this out and trying to get the sort of the right time to do it. I don't know that there is a right time, but uh, welcome to the program. We're, we're very thankful <laughs> that you're here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, you you were over at LAFC. Um, you've been with the Yankees. I, I know a lot of people have looked at your background. Certainly a lot of fans know um, sort of where you came from and, and you get glowing reviews everywhere you've come. I, I have to ask you, why did you choose the LA Galaxy? Uh, maybe why did you choose the LA Galaxy knowing very well that they were being sanctioned after a cheating scandal and that you were possibly facing something that no other MLS team has ever faced, which is this summer transfer ban? Do you, I, I guess you can answer that question and then, then maybe answer, uh, uh, do you regret it at this point? Uh, well, listen, I'll, I'll take the second one first and, and absolutely not. Um, and I know from the outside that may seem a little hard to believe, uh, but, you know, at the end of last year, you know, we had a great year at LAFC, but you know, sports is still a business, and so I found myself out of contract, and you know, certainly wanted to stay in MLS. And when you kind of look at the landscape of all the clubs 
across the league, there are really you know, very few, if any, that can match the the opportunity and the upside of the galaxy, right? Um, the the market is is sort of unparalleled, um, both for for soccer and for quality of life. I mean, Southern California is one of the, the greatest places in the world. There's a lot of soccer history here. Uh, you know, when you look at the support that, that Mr. Anschutz has given the team uh, over the years, I mean, that's incredible, right? And this is still a league that is um, driven by having some some high-quality players uh, at the top of your roster to lead the team. And that just, you know, Mr. Anschutz's support doesn't simply extend to the roster either. I mean, when you look at our our staff, our performance staff, our technical staff, and we have um, everything you could possibly want. And so I think that's that's the first thing you look at, right? Is this a uh, is this a club that's going to really want to compete? Um, you know, and I there's an old maxim. I certainly haven't come up with it, but it's uh, you know there's sort of two types of owners in this world. There's owners that hate losing money and owners that hate losing games. And so when I came up with the Yankees under George Steinbrenner, he was the definition of an owner who hated losing games. Right? right? He might make your he might make your life miserable, but man, he would do he would give you every tool you wanted or or could possibly ask for to help you succeed. And so you know, that's the attraction here. And you know the summer ban is certainly uh, suboptimal, but you know I think the guys who have been here have done a really good job of uh, amassing some allocation you know this mls funny money that will allow for some interleague moves and um you know there's still a way to add a, a player or two from abroad if if things line up properly so uh you know i think we're in a position to to make a group that is despite the uh our position at the table i think really talented um there's a chance to make that uh, quite a bit better come the summer I, I want to follow up on that, and this was what, what we were talking in the reporters' room, and I had mentioned that maybe you were coming on Monday, and this was one of the questions the reporters sort of had collectively, and it's something this show focuses on. You're you're like a, a, a nerd's dream come true whenever it comes to talking MLS rules and everything else that is going on, but with the summer transfer ban, MLS basically said no ITCs in the summer transfer window. That's how I read it. That's what the the overall statement is. There's also the ability and has always been the ability for MLS teams to add uh, free agents outside of the window. Has MLS explicitly told you guys that you can't add free agents outside the window on either side? Uh, it's the opposite. So our, our ban is from the open of the window to the close of the window. Okay. And so we will be able to add if um, a guy is out of contract at the time the window closes, so that's August fourth. Uh, or sorry, August August third. One okay. of those two. I, sh- I probably should know that. But uh, if you're out of contract on the day the window closes, and you can sign as an out of contract free agent after that. All right. So you can't do it in between though. Normally there's an in between. Normally there's an in between period because as long as you're not in contract, you don't have to worry about transfer windows, right? Correct. Yeah, and it's basically it's the. the the de- delineating point is: Are you out of contract on the day the window closes? Got you. Okay. All right. Good. That's okay, that's I, that's crystal so, clear now. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. No, I understand none of that. Um. Anyway. Um. Will obviously. <laughs> I mean, everybody always asks the question of, you know, to the coach, the general manager, people in your position. Um. What's wrong? You know. Why aren't the, Why isn't the team winning? And, and and it's such a goofy question because if you knew the answer to that, you would fix it. Nobody wants. No one's accusing you guys of of losing on purpose, but. Does it feel to you that there is no solution? Does it feel to you the solution is simple? And the longer this goes on, I mean, I think we all saw a lot of frustration with Chicharito with, with the second yellow card. It just seems like 
this is feeding on itself. And now we've reached this sort of momentum where it's getting harder and harder to stop this. Yeah, I, you, I think that's certainly the, the way it, it kind of feels from the outside. Um, you know, I think with inside the group, there's less kind of noise. Um, that, that's not to say that guys are, are sort of happy or satisfied with the results. But if you look at a game like Saturday night, you know, we have two, two and a half, some might call it three big chances, right? You've got uh, Cheech's chance where he's in and he tries to square it. You've got uh, Tyler uh, doesn't quite round the keeper or go down. And then you've got that ball that, you know, Tyler whips across the Cheech and, and, any one of those goals gets finished, you know, the game is very different. Um, and I'm not trying to sit here and play the, the if game, but, uh, you know, I think when you're looking at sort of the underlying performance, it's not, it's not as bad as the table suggests. Now, to be fair, we, you know, we are where we are and, and we deserve to be there, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not like we're sitting here and like, man, we can't possibly get a sniff at goal. I think, you know, there's some guys who maybe are, just a little bit off the pace of, of where they normally are. Um, and a couple of bounces go our way uh, that maybe haven't gone our way. It's a very different story. Right? And, and I would just look to Kansas city as a recent example of, of what it can look like when a team kind of gets their, their mojo going and, and as frustrating as it can be for all of us, this isn't a single table league. You know, I think at times, the fandom and, and the passion is such that we want to replicate what you see in the rest of the world, but that's just not the case, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Seattle was in last place in the Western Conference, I think in, I want to say like July or August, right? And still mm -hmm. won MLS Cup. It's a, uh, it's a different type of league. And, um, you know, as, as frustrating as it might be for some, it's, it's really weighted heavily towards those last three months of the year. Um, yeah, but I, gotta, don't get me wrong, I, I, gotta, I wouldn't mind picking up some points right now to put us in a better position. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you look back and you say, man, like, what, what's wrong? It's that we've just had some chances, um, and there's probably one or two in, in every game since I got here that we just don't finish. And um, when you're in this kind of a funk, the, the margins are so slim that you, you just can't afford to be wasteful with those opportunities. I, I got to jump in there on that 2016 Seattle team. You're, you're right. They were, they were horrible, and they came here and lost in U.S. Open Cup to the Galaxy, and then right after that, I think they played an MLS game where they were terrible. They didn't get a shot on goal. And then Ziggy Smith was fired. Brian Smetzer was promoted. They went on to win MLS Cup. I think there might have been some front office moves as well. That's what we don't see here. We don't see, a, a, you know, it, it's the, the score, sort of the same results, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of urgency to make any change. At least that's what we're seeing from the outside. Um, everybody that was in position at the start of the season, and most some people that were in position at – the start of the slide in 2017 are still there. Um, that seems to be a difference uh, between Seattle and, and now. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's much of a question there, but I think, um, you know, again, I look at Seattle and when the, when the group of guys doesn't change, um, you know, I think that that speaks to the fact that it's in the group, right? Um, maybe if Ziggy doesn't get, you know, get fired, they still go on a run, right? It, it, you sort of never kind of know, but, but for me, my main takeaway is you've got potential in this group. Uh, you've got a lot of good quality. Uh, I, I look at XG quite a bit, um, but I think, you know, the valuable thing is to look at a team's XG and then look at their, you know, their GG or their real G, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and, and, um, 
I think it's a useful tool to kind of tell you, are you underperforming, overperforming, kind of performing at the level? You know, ours certainly this year would, would suggest that we should have more goals. And I think if you go back and watch the tape, that lines up. Um, you know, but I don't know that uh, it's going to take a systematic overhaul to, to have some guys be a little bit sharper. You know, I, I think that, um, again, just think back to Saturday night. And if if one of those three big chances in the first half gets finished, it's a totally different game. Well, well, we saw you over with uh, with Greg and, and some of the players uh, at the end of the Charlotte game. I know you were over there talking to Angel City Brigade. I know Greg was trying to have a conversation. I think Greg, whenever he came into our press conference afterwards, maybe soft-pedaled a little bit. He t- called it a very cold, cordial conversation. I want to know if you could sort of tell us what, what you saw from your position on the field and, and um, you know whether or not you think uh, the supporters had ha- have a beef with the, uh, the LA Galaxy right now. Yeah, I mean, from... From my perspective, typically after the game, you know, go down to the field, uh, try to dap up our guys, uh, you know, celebrate a win, try and tell guys to keep their heads up if, if we don't get the result we wanted. And then usually there's a few guys or coaches uh, on the other team that you want to catch up with, say hi to, um, you know, chop it up with a little bit. And so I was getting done kind of doing that. I looked over and, it, you know, it kind of looked like guys were going over to the, the north end, the Victoria Blocks to to sort of celebrate the fans. Um, and then I kind of saw Greg there. I was like, oh, this looks like a little more of an animated conversation. Um, and so I went over kind of quickly because I was like, oh, is this something that we need to, to extract ourselves from? But, uh, you know, I was actually shocked to find that, that Greg was really explaining himself and saying, hey, you know, I, you know we, we, want to, we want better also. You know, this wasn't Greg... Um, going after a fan you know, saying, how dare you? Uh, you know, he was really trying to, to empathize, I think, and say, Hey, you know, we're right there with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just kind of going over and say, Hey man, we got to get, we got to get into the locker room. We got to you know, talk to the rest of the guys. Uh, cause as, uh, important as it is to, to manage the, uh, ACB, you know, their feelings and their emotions after a game like that, you know, the, the guys we got in the locker room that we go to war with every day, that we train with every day, those those are the guys who've got to hear that message and, and hear from Greg. So, um, yeah, but I was uh, when I when I first saw it, I went over. I was like, oh man, this this could be gnarly. But uh, I got there, and it was actually a, a you know kind of how Greg described it, it was a real uh, empathetic conversation with those guys. I also wanted to to follow up a little bit. You look at this team, and and I think you're sort of pointing to it. And we, obviously, we talk to Greg after every game. He talks about, you know, the pressure that the guys are putting on themselves, this this stacking up of, of expectations that is happening, the fact that they're not performing to the level they're supposed to. I mean, uh, if we if we agree with you and say, hey, you know, it's a matter of missed chances, which I'll, 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 the offense has been, uh, you know, very, I guess, suboptimal to, to, to use a word um, that, that used earlier. Um, but with all this extreme amount of pressure, when you have a president of the club like Chris Klein link his fate to the club, right? And basically say, hey, if we don't make the Western Conference semifinals, I'm going to quit because there was such an outrage sort of about his signing. Is that adding too much pressure to this team? There's already pressure in Los Angeles to win. You have now more pressure added on and not only just the players, but the coaches to you as well. Um, Does it feel like that's an insurmountable amount of pressure at this point? Uh, Definitely would not say it's an insurmountable amount of pressure. Uh, you know, and and I don't know, I, I couldn't tell you how much pressure 
uh, Chris's statement, you know, does or, or does not, right? I mean, you've got, I mean, and this is the nature of any, uh, you know, soccer team. You've got guys who are looking for their next contract. You've got guys who are looking to get more playing time. You've got guys who are coming from a different part of the world and trying to adapt. Uh, you know, there's uh, a million different types of pressure that, that every locker room has. And, you know, first and foremost, these guys are competitors, right? right. And, and they want to, they want to perform and they want to win. And so, um, you know, I, I mentioned it before that word you know, that Greg has used at times, you know, noise or the external conversation. I, I think guys are aware of that. Um, but really it's, you know, the, the biggest motivation, the biggest pressure comes from within, right? It's that these guys, uh, they're not happy with the way things have gone, right? Nobody comes back after a game like Saturday night into the locker room. It's like, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. Right. You've got, um, real emotion in that room and, um, a group that's, that's looking for a way to, to get out of this funk, you know, because when, uh, again, I don't want to, I don't want to shy away from the fact that we haven't finished our chances, but, but this happens with, uh, teams when they're on the schneid and happens when teams are on the heater, right? When things aren't going good, the, the goal feels like it's two feet big. And, um, when it's, when it's going great, you know, it feels like it's, uh, the goal mouth is the width of the field. And so, uh, you know, good teams, I think, tend to minimize these, these bad stretches and maximize their runs. Um, and I, you know, I believe in this group still, and I think it's an issue of getting ourselves sorted out and, uh, again, trusting in the chances that we've created and that being, you know, sharper, better, more ruthless, uh, with those chances, as long as we can keep creating them, um, you know, it's going to have to generate different results. Well, one of the things that you told me, uh, if I remember correctly, after you came over to the Galaxy, was that you had some ideas about player acquisition, about roster building, the things that you wanted to do. I don't know how many people know that you were actually head of scouting for the Yankees. Um, so you know quite a bit about scouting. And I think one of the things you wanted to do was, you know, you have some scout, some soccer scouts that you wanted to bring in. Where are you on that? And, and what exactly is your role going to be? If if you know now, does, does Greg set the tone and, and then you – you work with obviously you work together, but is there a, a one and two, or are you guys really a team and you have the same vision, or is your vision slightly different? No, I think we're we're very much aligned. You know the the way I think it always works best, and this is uh, you know whether it's in baseball or or in soccer, right? You have to you have to know what your coach is looking for, right? Because ultimately. Uh, you know, coach is the one who writes the lineup. He's the guy who uh, makes the substitutions. He puts the game plan together. And so, you know, the, the first step is coming together and coming up with a really clearly defined profile and set of criteria. And I think Greg has a really good uh, pre-baked set of profiles for things that he likes. Um, you know, uh, one of the things about this league, is the salary budget and the different mechanisms make the types of players, yeah, you are able to get um, at times very, very restricted and at times very, very unrestricted. And so you have to kind of balance that, okay, if we want to get this type of player, it's probably going to have to be a DP, right? If you're going to want a guy who can create and score goals, I mean, those players are typically commanding the, the highest salaries and the highest transfer fees. And so you're going to have to say, okay, one of our magic DP bullets is going to go to that position, right? Allocated there. And that means, okay, if we're looking to build around those guys and other parts of the, the pitch, 
we're going to need to to maybe utilize some of those TAM funds or or non-TAM, non-DP roster slots and, and maybe use some allocation to acquire guys uh, interleague, right? And I think, you know, my job is to come in and use the sort of knowledge I have with respect to roster buildings, use of analytics uh, and, and scouting and say, okay, well, if this is what we're looking for. Can we maybe uh, expand that, the, the sort of breadth of, our, of the pool of players that we're looking at um, to then uh, which really bear down on the you know five, six, seven guys that we think really fit what we're looking for. And so that's where data is immensely helpful because it kind of gives you like a, a half a scout or three quarters of a scout in all these different countries in which you have uh, data providers. That's where, you know, your, your old school eyeball scouts are really good because there's always going to be stuff that the, the data doesn't tell you. And you can use those guys to go in and, and watch players, see how they react, see how they interact with their teammates and and get a real feel for their quality. Um, but it's always done with an eye towards, you know, you know, Greg, what do you need? Okay, I'll find you the the best versions of it. And, and unfortunately, in this league, sometimes the, the best version means it has to be a guy who's under 22 years old or has to be a guy making less than $300,000, right? Or it has right. to be a guy from from within the league already, whatever it might be. Um, and But it's always a fun puzzle, right? Because things are always changing. Right? A guy that you liked in January might be in a very different spot come the summer. A guy that was absolutely untouchable a year ago might now all of a sudden be available. Um, and things within the league are really fluid also. I mean, now we've got, geez, what, 29 teams? I mean, there's so many teams in this league that right as – they start to add players in the summer window, right? I mean, every time a guy comes in, he essentially makes somebody else surplus to that team's plans. And so, you know, you might look at, you know, and we do this exercise every week, right? We kind of run through the rosters of each team in the league and, and kind of project and think who might be available. Uh, you know, and, and just last week, we got a call uh, from a couple clubs saying, hey, the guys that we never thought would have been available are available, right? Because those teams are starting to prep their their summer plans for incoming players. And so uh, it's just such a big market internally now that we have uh, that you also have to be sort of uh, aware of that as well. Um, not uh, sure if that uh, totally uh, answers your question, scouting, but no, no, that's good. But off the top of your head, just to give people uh, uh, an, an you know, indication of some of the players that have been available just off the top of your head, who would you say was the most impactful person you added to the Yankees that, that you had, not that you signed off on, but that you actually had a hand in, in the whole process, and and then the same with LAFC. I mean, it's it's tough to say a guy like CC Sabathia, right? Because that's just so obvious. He's a he's a top free agent, right? And you bring him in, uh, and he's already a star. He he had come up. Um, he's a left-handed pitcher from from the Bay Area. He'd been uh, a young ace at Cleveland, then went to Milwaukee before his free agency period, but when we did our deep dive into CC, what we really got into was the way this guy is regarded in the clubhouse, right? The, the baseball term for a locker room, but the way his teammates, uh, you know, really loved him, the way he put his arms around everybody, the, the high character guy that he was. Um, that's when you, when you look back on you like, that's, that was a, not to use a, you know, the, the pun or what have you, but that was a grand slam, right? Because you were getting such a high quality guy, and we had done such a thorough job on on the makeup, right? And and you know the the quality was obvious, but we knew that just bringing him in would give an extra 
an extra strong presence in a locker room that already had a lot of strong personalities, but a different type of guy, right? A, a, maybe a younger leader than the the Jeters and Mariano Rivera's of the world. Um, and he was just a, a shot in the arm to that that group um, who was just massive. Gotcha. gotcha. And with LAFC, anyone stick out? I mean, I think you were involved in, in Giorgio and, and Bale both. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, you know, we're we're involved in all those different conversations. I mean, you know, Giorgio's a version of that, right? A, a high character guy who uh, who wanted, you know, he he knew what the league was, right? He knew where he was, sort of in his career, and wanted a different challenge, a different environment. But um, you know, it was very clear from one of those first few conversations that it wasn't about the money for, for Georgia or for Gareth. Right. Um, but they wanted to come and they wanted to have an impact. And so, and, and Georgia was the type of guy when I went over to London to, you know, to sign him, uh, you know, we were at dinner. He played his last game for the Italian national team in the finalissima against Argentina. And we're, we're at dinner afterwards and, you know, his agent and his brother are there and they're asking me, you know, when's the game against the galaxy? Right. And I, I forget the exact date, but I think it was like, Oh, it's the, it's the 16th. And George was like, no, 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 it's the 17th. And the guy, you know, one of the guys opened his phone and was like, Oh no, it's the 17th. And they're like, well, you don't even know when the, the, the Derby is. And of course it's cause we're, you know, Greenwich mean time. So we're however many hours ahead. And then the right. game was taking place on the 17th in Europe, but the 16th year, but Giorgio had the dates memorized, right? He was a guy that, um, you know, he knew about every attacking player when they came into the league. He would come up, he would ask us, ask Steve, you know, what do you got in this guy? Um, and, you know, those, that's the type, again, that, that's the type of mind that you can bring in. And so it's not always just about, you know, what are you getting on the field? Although, of course, that's hugely important, but it's, um, you know, what kind, of, what kind of guy, what kind of character, you know, a, a guy who's been captain for his national team, you know, a guy like Bale, who's been uh, part of the biggest transfer in, in world history, right? And and what does that mean as far as having a target on your back? And, um, you know, you have a higher degree of confidence with those guys that given everything they've been through, they can come and, and again, be additive to the group. Right. Right. Well, I, I, you know, you, you're talking about transfers and the whole deal. There, there was a lot of focus this winter for, for the Galaxy on the trans, on that primary transfer window, right? And obviously, the reason behind that is because, you know, there was restrictions on the summer. And so it really felt like there had there was like a lot of pressure to get things right during that primary transfer window. Um, at the end of it, it, it seemed like it maybe fizzled out. Greg had talked about a bunch of guys that he wanted to sign. He said he was pretty confident in one or two of them coming over. Uh, he said a myriad of things led to that led to you guys not pulling the trigger. At this point, though, looking back and sort of in hindsight, was there a need to get another body in earlier in the season than wait? So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start off by saying that I got to the club, you know, end of March, the start of April, right? So the window was really closing and I missed out on a lot of the, uh, you know, earlier conversations that had taken place in this regard. So, you know, with respect to the, the kind of guys that were scouted earlier in the window. Um, and this may, this may sound like a, just some COIA, but I, but I really mean this. Um, I think it is uh, the best thing that we could have done not to panic and not to sign a guy just for the sake of signing a guy, because there's, um, you know, no sure thing in this league that will cripple you than committing yourself long-term to a player who doesn't fit well within the salary structure, right? I think, again, you go back to 
sort of global football and, and the way it works in other leagues where, yeah, you just you add this guy and, and boom, like that's our guy and we're, we're good money, right? We're good to go. And, and the reality is, is that um, even the best player possible in this league might be a bad signing if it means using resources that you then can't allocate um, to, to different parts of the roster, right? So, you know, I think there were a couple different deals that we had an opportunity to close in the window that, and guys who would sort of on paper have helped us right now. But, you know, when you think about um, the, the summer window opening and what you might be able to get within the league. And then when you think about next year, right, when, um, you've got a chance to maybe take some bigger swings. Is it is it worth mortgaging those opportunities to make your roster better to have one player now? Uh, you know, it's a difficult conversation, but I don't personally think so. And so I think it actually um, requires a lot of discipline or straight to to not overpay for a guy, even though um, it makes this first stretch of the season a lot potentially rockier. Right. Right, and, and possibly pulls you guys out of out of last place where, where you're at right now, right? Um, the the only other question that I sort of wanted to 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 you know at least touch on is, you know, Greg has talked about his three year plan. You know, obviously, I think he's he's talked openly about Toronto and how it took him five years to sort of get everything else um, that he really wanted to. Yes, Kevin has mentioned you've been with the Yankees. It's a team that is expected to win every year. It feels like whatever plan Greg has is either stalled or is has hit a significant road bump so far. So can you implement a three or a five year plan when you're not winning in the interim? Is there is there patience in MLS for you or for anybody else if the Galaxy can't start winning games? I mean, I think no, no matter what, right? I mean, it's it's then this is borne out. Uh, across sports for time immemorial uh, at a certain point you know the results have to be there or or changes get made i don't think anybody shies away from that uh, you know you mentioned it but but coming up under george steinbrenner the expectation was uh, you know win the world series this year or don't expect to have your job next year right um and uh, that's just kind of the the way it went um you know three-year plans five-year plans that the good thing about this league is that it's a, a parity driven league. Right. And so um, we've seen plenty of examples of a team that was maybe down one year being right back in it. Right. Or, or vice versa. Um, that's not to say that's what you want. Right. Ideally you're a team that is the biggest favorite every year, but um, you know, when, when you think about this year, right, I think we have more than enough quality to um, qualify for the playoffs. Again, be one of the top nine teams in the conference. And then win what six games? I think there's on the bounce. I think there's more than enough quality in this group. And I think that only uh, increases if you if you add to it, right? If you if you add quality during the summer, um, and then certainly you know next year, right? You've got potentially two designated player spots opening them up. You've got uh, a good kitty of of league money again, provided we don't um, sort of let it burn a hole in our pocket this summer. Um, you've got some contracts coming up and you've got a real chance to, to retool, right? Not necessarily to, to rebuild, but to, to reload and, uh, keep this, this strong core of talent that we have and, and really just boost it into the stratosphere. So, um, you know, I, uh, I come from a crucible where there's no such thing as a, as a two-year plan, but, 
you know, I, I don't see any reason why we can't have an incredibly strong team, uh, you know, at the start of next year. And I don't see a reason why we can't have a team capable of winning MLS Cup, um, you know, when the summer window closes. Again, with the understanding that it's going to take some, uh, some turnaround in the results we've had so far. Kevin, why don't you uh, ask Will the last question here? Because we've kept him way longer than we said we were yeah. going to. Sorry about that, Will. <laughs> you, you know, well, the th- time we've known each other, you've always been like really helpful and professional and, and uh, accessible and friendly. And I appreciate that. And thanks for coming on the show. Um, but you just a couple weeks ago got a really, really nice ring and a nice box. And it was all it, it, it was beautiful. What's the etiquette with that ring? I assume that you love wearing it, but you probably can't wear it to the office of your current boss, correct? So I learned, uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got three rings, right? I've got my Division III uh, NCAA basketball ring. I've got my 2009 World Series ring and now uh, last year's MLS Cup championship. But I learned uh, in 2009 especially that wearing a, a piece of jewelry like that outside in the street uh, doesn't get the the level of attention you, you, you might want it to, right? People sort of say, wait, it brings everybody or wait, do you play? Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's always been more about, man, what a cool thing to be able to give, uh, give my daughter or, you know, um, other children if we end up having them, but it's, uh, you know, they look great, but, but I'm really focused on, on the next one, right? Three is a good number to have, but man, four or five would be better. So, um, yeah, I've never been a guy to, uh, to wear my rings. I'm, I'm a guy who's usually more focused on, on getting that next one. Does it fit? Yeah, listen, it, it fits. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Very, very Thanks good. So going on. Hey, hey, Will, I, I want to appreciate you for coming on always. Uh, hopefully it's the first of many and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, just uh, my, my final little thing is, uh, do you feel like in the galaxy that you have everything that you personally need to make this team better? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, if, I, if I'll be selfish about it, like I'll, I'll ask in the moon, right? I'll ask for every data provider platform out there. I'll ask for scouts in every country. But, um, you know, when, when you look at uh, what even what we've been given since since I showed up and what we have, I, I feel more than confident that that we can, uh, like I've said this whole time, really make good, smart, um, meaningful additions to this group and have a roster that's that's a little bit deeper, a little bit more, um, you know, competitive. And I don't mean competitive in the the table sense, although that's certainly going to be very important, but also just competitive in terms of, uh, you know, who starts every day. Right. Um, you know, when you, when you have a roster where you kind of go through and you say, man, we have two options there, three options there, four options. There. Like that's, that's the kind of group that then, uh, you know, uh, gets the best out of each other. So, um, again, long-winded answer because that's what you get from me, but uh, feeling uh-huh. very, very positive and very confident. Very good. Well, hey, again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, best of luck on, on the rest of the season. Hopefully you guys can pull it out, but we'll be here to uh, to discuss it. So, Will, thanks yeah. thanks very much. Go ahead, Kevin. And, and the door is always open here for you. Anytime you want to come on, yell at us, talk to us, whatever you want to do, um, it, you, you're more than welcome. Just uh, hit us up and we'll get you on. No, I mean, apparently I'm picking up Jovan's baggage. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys, and it's great talking with you. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, been listening to you guys for uh, a long time, even back. Uh, oh, you're the one. Back during my one. days okay. up the road, it's a, yeah. it's a good uh, it's a good way to understand what's going on. So, 
All right. Um, really appreciate the time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll, we'll, we'll catch <laughs> you on the next one. All right. There he goes. Mr. Will Kuntz uh, out of here. So appreciate Will being on. Um, you know what we didn't ask him? He was talking about his Yankee days. What is George Costanza really like? I, somebody in the chat room did ask. It's like, ask him if he worked uh, with George Costanza, uh, the whole deal. Listen, um, you know, I think Will's going to be as honest as he can be. He also, uh, if you know the the chart and and who he reports to and everything that goes on, uh, he reports to Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny is his boss, uh, which means Chris Klein is his boss, right? And so he's in there with those guys, Um and so if you expected that he was going to throw any of his bosses under the bus, I don't know that necessarily I, I would have ha- have agreed with that. That being said, uh, Will has seemed very forward uh, and very upfront and is willing to have lots of conversations. I told him it would last 15 minutes and it lasts 30 minutes and he didn't seem to have a problem with that. Well, so, and, and, and you know what? I, I've been saying all season that I, I agree with him that this club has way too much talent to be where they are. And he kind of said that and he expects them to go on a run. I, I, I kind of break with him there. I expected that maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think this this is what it is, and 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 I, I do think that it's that it's now a snowball heading downhill, and it's going to continue to gain momentum. But um, you know, I definitely see where Will's coming from when you look at this team and you look at the individuals on this team, and and the way that we have seen them play in the past. Maybe not right now. Chicharito is not the Chicharito of last year. But, you know, you look at Ricky Pooch, you look at the, the ability Chicharito has, t- what Tyler Board has done. We know what Jonathan Bond has done in the past, struggling a little bit right now. When you look at what these guys have done, their track record, as they say in baseball, the stats on the back of the baseball card, you expect them to be there at the end of the season. And you expect this Galaxy team to do that. Um, so I understand what Will's saying. I, I think I disagree with him a little bit. I, I would have been all over that about three weeks ago, but... Recent results don't give me a whole lot of hope. It, 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 I mean, it's depressing. I, I called the team on Twitter. I called them soft, right? One thing one thing happens. You know, they give up a goal in any... This team, if they give up a goal, it doesn't matter when is it, they're done. It's over. You might as well write it off. As a matter of fact, the next time the Galaxy gets scored on in the, in, in the next, in the like first 10 minutes of a game, they should just roll out the, you know, LA Galaxy too. Ask the ref if they can just have a line change. Um, put everything out there. That's the disappointing part because I feel like, um, and again, I was talking to some some people around the league and doing some different things, um, and you know, there's too much pressure right now on on the players, and I don't think that's a fair situation. I asked Will a question: Is it fair to have somebody like Chris Klein come in and put the pressure on the team like that? To understand that but, but, all but that, yeah. what you mean is by not leaving by, by, by not by leaving yeah and being that focus continuing to be that focus yeah I mean he's pulling focus from the team the team is now under pressure because if they don't win he's going to get fired and listen I'm not saying that any of them really care whether or not Chris Klein is here for the next time or not I don't I don't believe that I don't believe that there's players in there who are like I don't care who the president is as long as I'm here I want to play and do all these things, ultimate competitors, right? But there's added pressure and you don't need to add any pressure to a team anytime, right? In fact, it's the job of coaches and everybody else to take as much pressure off these guys to let them do what they're supposed to be doing. There is really no other expectation or, or no other, uh, you know, reason that I can see, Kevin, that, you know, Will talks about it, they're underperforming, right? I mean, their, their expected goals are like 20 and they have 10, they are, they are 50% below their, their expected goals. I don't see a reason for the amount of pressure they're stacking up on themselves, except for they've made it very clearly us versus them. You heard Will talking about the noise again. I mean, that's a anytime you hear noise, that's very much a front office talking point. 
right? And it's like, oh, well, we don't listen to the noise. It's, it's again, we've talked about this before. It's us versus them, right? It's this team versus the people who don't believe in what they're doing, that don't believe the decisions have been made correctly. That's the noise that everything's talking about. It's talking about the fans, right? Well, there's not a lot of noise in the stadium right now. There's 17,000, well, 17,000 people. It's always the same. Tickets distributed. Um, you know, for a Saturday night on on Memorial Day against a team that the LA Galaxy should have beat. That's, that's 6,000 people, in my mind, under what it should be. Um, well, and here, here's... He talks about the noise, and, and we've heard that term from Greg Vanny and others. It, it's really not noise. It's the people that buy the tickets and support the team and buy the shirts that are that are are expressing their disappointment. That's it's kind of not really noise. I mean, you don't you don't you know if your boss calls you in and says you you know your performance has to improve, you don't call that noise. Um, so it's really not noise. It's something different from noise. But but to your point, yeah, the players see that the, the stands are not full. The players know that was supposed to be 24, 25,000, and they saw 14,000 maybe in the building. They know that. They know that something's going wrong. They're asked after every game about the supporters' boycott. Um, some of them are asked about Chris Klein. They're not asked about, hey, what kind of formation should you play or what happened on that play? They're, should Chris Klein get fired now? They don't want to deal with that. And and so I do think that when you talk about that pressure, I do think that that's there, that people are not necessarily talking about the team and winning. They're talking about how much how much further do they have to drop before something happens. And and I know you're going to talk about this. Homeless Chris Klein showed up at the press conference the first time we've seen him at a post-game media conference Ever, um, I, I think ever. I, I, I unless it's been like a like an after an MLS Cup win or maybe after a big like they stand. You know, I've seen people stand on the side before, right? And the whole deal. Um, I, I, and I'd I, say home, home, I'd say homeless Chris Klein because he's always very dapper, dapperly dressed, and it looked like he was on his way to Walmart or something um, when he came in. You know, uh, just did <laughs> did right. not look like the Chris Klein, and, and that immediately raised questions of. Is he going to get up and talk? Is, is, so, so, so coming? you you weren't there. And whenever we saw him walk in, we all looked at each other like, oh, like and, and you have to understand it was weird to begin with, because after the game, we saw them go over and I was walking down to the press conference so I could look across the field and I could see them talking to ACB. And so we knew that that was going to be a question to ask. So we were waiting for Greg to come in. Kevin, Greg always talks first, right? That's that's what always happens. Greg, the, the coach always comes in and he always talks first. That didn't happen. All right. Greg was supposed to come in and then Mark Delgado showed up and we had asked for Mark. By the way, I haven't posted it yet because I haven't had a chance to. But I think Mark Delgado does a very good job of talking about this team in certain ways. But it's also about the pressure that he's under and and that the team is under. They're not going to tell you they're under pressure. They're not going to say something. And, you know, I asked Will it seems like it's almost insurmountable, right? This this amount that's pressing down on this team. And I agree with the chat room, by the way, and Kevin, you and I both, I, I think, are finally coming to this to this realization. Yes, we believe this team is good enough to compete in Major League Soccer. Yes, this is probably isn't a 29th team out of 29 teams in Major League Soccer. It's not the felt on the bottom of the table, uh, uh, on the bottom of the table league. But bottom line is, this is who they are right now. Um but if you want to change things and I can I can make this L.A. Galaxy team better and we talk about additions and subtractions and how that affects the team, um, I'm fairly confident if Chris Klein decided that he was going to resign tomorrow, uh, that you would find one that some of the fans would return, not saying all of them, because the results have been so pitiful that it would be hard for that to happen. But I the, the supporters groups would come back. That would take some pressure off the the players 
who clearly aren't speaking openly because they don't want to speak about the players outside of just calling it noise or calling it a distraction or whatever it is. It would take the pressure off of those guys. It would take the pressure off of Greg Vanny a little bit, too, as well. Right. And I think if you ease that up, that this team climbs back into the middle of the table fairly, fairly easily um, when all is said and done. But having said that, they've proven right now that whatever they're dealing with, whether that's they can't handle Greg Vanny's system. Greg Vanny has, you know, this 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 ability that the defense has to be perfect, Kevin, because if they give up one goal, the LA Galaxy, the Galaxy haven't scored in three straight games now. MLS games, three straight games. And they had, it's like, they had a 600, nearly 600 minute scoreless streak on the road snapped in that U.S. Open Cup game. Yeah, the U.S. Open Open Cup doesn't count, right? We know, please, whatever they're doing over there is not doing it, right? Um, And so uh, that doesn't, that that to me isn't it. What are they doing in the league? The league is what's important. You know, U.S. Open Cup, whether they win it, whether they don't win it, who cares? Not important. Well, but to to your point, so they, they they go scoreless on that road trip, come home, they don't score against Charlotte, three games in a row without a goal, and nothing changes. And so the idea is, oh, it's going to be different tomorrow. You know, it's going to be different this game we have this week against Real Salt Lake. It's going to be different. How is it going to be different when you haven't changed anything? Right. Everybody who was there is still there, and nothing changes. No additions. There's no there, – I, I, I wonder – you know, Will talked about this team can make the playoffs, and mm. I think the personnel—I mm-hmm. I think the personnel is there, but there's no, there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency. You know, the the road trip without a goal, right. nothing happened. Nope. They come home, they lose to Charlotte, nothing, nothing happens. Happened. It, it, and it, and nothing that, has to happen. But you would expect it. And again, if changes get made, I think there's a positive spin that you can suddenly say, okay, deep breath. <sighs> All right. Do you remember uh, whenever whenever Siggy Schmidt came in and took over for Kurt Anolfo, I remember walking into the stadium that day and somebody said, well, what do you think? I go, well, you know, without Anolfo there and with change with Siggy Schmidt and sort of the things that he has sort of promised. Remember, Siggy was talking about, you know, doing scouting and all these things. Right. And they were playing against Seattle. Right. And it's like, well, at least you walk into the stadium with a little bit of hope whenever you go in and you make some changes. Right. Whether or not those pan out in the long term. Don't know, right? But when you make changes, there's a little bit of hope that it's time that things have changed, that the page has turned, right? That's that's not there has been no page turned here, Kevin, right? There's no hope right now. Well, the reason there's no hope is because there hasn't been any changes. The pages haven't turned, and so you get the sense that Dan Beckerman and and Phil Anschutz and Chris Klein don't realize there's a problem. They think this is okay. This is acceptable. That's why it's continuing to go that way. If if it's unacceptable, then you do something about it and nothing's been done. So clearly this is acceptable. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's you know, I, again, we, we wait for those things. We look at those things. Look, listen, I listen to, I look at this Charlotte game. I, you can, and, and Will's correct. And for the first time, maybe all year, you could say the Galaxy had clear cut chances in this game and they absolutely bottled all of them. Um, you know, we talk about chipping away at XG. We talk about all these little things that the galaxy usually do. And that's why I would say if we're going to talk about XG, then perhaps we should, you know, and, and certainly a, a longer conversation for Will next time. But this year, the LA galaxy very much are chippers away at XG, right? And we've talked about this point to point, you know, little tiny, tiny little things where they take 20 shots and all of them are 0.02. And, you know, eventually that adds up to 0.5 XG and they get half a goal. Well, really, it's the big chances that you want to see. It's one of those that can get converted, right? And so the LA Galaxy being 20 over their XG, they really haven't created that many big chances. The Charlotte game, they created big chances. They didn't finish them. 
Uh, Tyler Boyd definitely mishit, and and I would understand why nobody would want to say it, but Tyler Boyd mishit a cross that was to Chicharito that if he puts it anywhere either higher or lower, Chicharito buries it. Um, But because he put it basically waist high, uh, Javi had difficult time doing it. And listen, we've talked about it. Javier is a year older, uh, uh, you know, a step slower. He's not been that guy. And then to watch a guy. Now, this is the second time the LA Galaxy have watched a designated player melt down and get a red card in a game. But Chicharito picked up a, a little ticky tacky yellow card at the beginning of the first half. Right. And then picked up a very much a yellow card in the second half in the closing minutes, 85th minute. So so now he doesn't play against RSL. Right. And I asked Greg, and maybe it wasn't as, maybe I should have asked it differently. I go, but is that frustration? I said, is this frustration for Javier? And is that good for the team? He's like, well, red cards usually aren't good for the team. And and Greg sort of said, I want our guys to be a little more upset. I'd like to have our guys be a little more on, like, you know, a little edgy to them. He's not dirty, just like, you know, being in guys' pockets, chipping away at guys, being more physical. He goes, I'd like to see that sometimes. Um, that's not what Chicharito was doing though. Chicharito was deciding that he didn't want to play anymore, right? Because that's what that tackle says in the 85th minute is I don't want to play anymore. And when you have designated players saying, I don't want to play anymore, when you have leaders on the team saying, I don't want to play anymore. Um, that wasn't a competitive red card, Kevin, that was a, I'm throwing my hands up and I'm giving up. Um, and that goes back. That's a 2017 trait more than it is a 2023 trait. So how do you, how do you, how do you rectify that situation? You have Costa, who's been injured so much. Let's see, I have his, his DP minutes. You have Costa, who's been injured so much. He's played 8.4% of the total available minutes. So you don't have a designated player in him, and he hasn't been a leader. He wasn't a leader last year. Galaxy probably should have gotten rid of him, right? And for whatever reason, they didn't. That was one of my questions I had for Will that I didn't get to. Um, and maybe that was a little bit before him as well kind of finding out how he came into the to the later stages of the window and all those things, right? But you have Costos there, Kevin, and you have Chicharito who can't finish and can't put things away. And now you have all three DPs will have, when Chicharito misses the RSL game, all three DPs will have missed at least one game with a red card because Ricky missed one at, well, with well, two yellows. Yeah. But but go go back to the press conference and, and homeless, homeless Chris Klein. What, what, you were there. What did that mean? What... Clearly, he came in. He could have sta- stood behind the banner where, where Greg's talk. If he wanted to hear Greg talk, he could have listened to him on the intercom. He could have stood behind the banner. But he came out into a very prominent position where everyone in the room could see him, yep. and he stood there for the entire time. Uh, he clearly wanted to be noticed. There's there's the picture. He clearly wanted to be noticed. He's standing right under a light. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I, 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 at first we thought he was going to come talk. As a matter of fact, we actually had like intimated. We were like, is he going to talk type thing? And we like nothing really happened with that. So we thought maybe, and the way that you enter the stage is you actually go back behind the backdrop and, and you come out onto the stage. So whenever uh, Greg got done, it looked like Chris was going to come out there. And I think it was expected. The reporters expected that Klein was going to come out. We talked a little bit afterwards and we were like, we thought maybe that was him coming out to resign. Um, because we thought that that was the appropriate thing to do at the time, like, or at least me, I don't want to put anything else that we thought that was in hindsight. Maybe that's him showing support to Greg Vanny, but that's probably not the guy you want to have showing you support at this time. Right. Well, if you want to show support, get up on the stage and say, we bike Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny is doing the best he can. He's here long-term. We believe in his plan, whatever you don't, 
I, I think just standing there and watching him, it, to me, that that struck me as more Big Brother. Like, what are you saying? You know, you throwing me under the bus? Are you blaming this on me? What are you going to say? Um, if he wanted to back him, I think he, he could issue a statement through Vicky. He could go up on the stage. He could talk himself. He could call all of us. We'd take his call in a heartbeat. If he wanted to show us support, there's ways of doing that. Standing there uh, in a T-shirt and listening to the press conferences doesn't say support to me. Yeah, it, it feels that way. It, it just—I don't know. It's—it's it's interesting. I—I I talked to some uh, some some players and and some former players and stuff like that. And literally, I was getting reached out to by former players asking me why Chris Klein was at the press conference. They, that's it's that sort of why was he there? And it's a, it, I don't know. It's a great question. It's strange because he certainly hasn't been in any of those press conferences this year. Um, or ever. Or, 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 I don't think I've ever seen that. When they even when they won or when they lost, he, I, I can't remember. I can't say for sure he's never been in there, but it's not. Uh, it's so not common that I can't remember any time off the top of my head when he was there. Um, and so it's strange. And I don't know. There was also part of me that thought maybe he was going to walk Greg Vanny out and fire him uh, in the hallway. And the fact that Greg stopped on his way and that Mark Delgado went first also was like, well, and I actually said to one of the reporters, I go, maybe they fired Greg Vanny because you're not going to let him talk if you just fired him, right? Like, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be like, hey, coach, you're fired. Now go answer the questions, right? That wasn't going to happen. So again, um, weird. It, 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 somebody said, uh, uh, Damien, I think in his story said, you know, uh, this is rock bottom, right? And and can it actually like get any worse from here? And I, I don't think it can. No, um, it, did, it definitely can. I thought they hit rock bottom earlier and, and then they just continued to, dig under the bedrock and they're on their way to China now and they appear to be unstoppable. Those shovels are just going like crazy. Um, I, I don't know that there is a bottom to this, to this team. And I say that with respect to the fact that they have really good talent, but it, they just, I mean, everything, it, everything that could go wrong is going wrong. There's no fans that supporters are boycotting. There's no move from the front office. There's no sense of urgency by anybody. No, nothing, from, any nothing from AEG either, right? We've talked about that already. Nothing from AEG, so nothing from the from Chris Klein. Nothing. Yeah, it's just Greg Van Beckerman. Greg, yeah, and 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 you know, talk about don't throw me under the bus. Well, he's 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 kind of wedged under the bus, and they continue to go down the highway. And and his answers are seem to be repetitive. Nothing from Dan Beckerman, who's been invisible through most of this, you know, seven year run. Um, and see, yeah, I, I, I know what Damien means. You look at this and you say, I can't get any worse. And then it does. So, um, and then I hear Will say that, that these are quality players and, and that was actually sort of a good thing he talked about. I hadn't never thought about that. There's 29 teams when they bring a player in, in the window that makes somebody else expendable. The galaxy could pick somebody up, but I don't think it's going to be someone that, that like a, like a Bergman or a, a Caceres or a Ricky Pooj. I don't think it's going to be a season changing player, but that was interesting. I mean, there's the potential, much more potential for help coming than I thought, but, but I understand what Damien's been says. And I, I've been thinking that for like six weeks, this is the bottom. And then they, they do something even more bottomy the next week and they keep digging themselves in this hole. It, it, it's, it, I mean, at this point, I don't, I know that the LA Galaxy and and you sort of see their trend. I mean, there's no trend line that shows them in a positive way. Um, there's no, you know, I, I, God bless Will for thinking that it can all be recovered and everything will be fine. Um, but the damage that has been done just in this, and it's not even a half of the season. I mean, 
I, I think Alex Ruiz was talking to Greg Vanny and saying, you guys are almost at the halfway mark. Eventually, like results matter. Like, <laughs> you know, the whole, hey, if you start slow, that type of thing. Um, you know, it, it, it's some of this stuff that you see is is not trending anywhere in the positive say. And I like Greg Vanny. Um, I think he's open and honest with us, you know, as much as he can be. I don't expect any coach or anybody who ever comes on this show is as a member of any, whether it's players, coaches, GMs, anybody's are ever going to be hundred percent honest with you. They can't be, but I, you know, I, I think Greg is, is as honest with us as he, as he can be. Um, but they've put themselves in a position where it's us against the world and they've realized the world's going to win this time. Right. There's so much pressure coming from the outside world that everything has fallen on top of these guys that they're they're there. I like the talent. I like a lot of the players that are on here. They shouldn't be this bad, but they are. Um, you know, if that means that Klein goes and that Vanny has to go, then, you know, in order for things to change, then those are the things that have to change. I personally believe you want to start all over again with another coach and do another thing that we've, we've sort of played that game a bunch. You know, I don't know how 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 much that's going to save anything. I don't know how this season gets saved. Um not with not with the the way that they're playing and there's relatively no depth on the team Kevin and you know you're seeing that play out with guys playing every minute of every game uh sort of coming in here so yeah well here's a question for you does AEG care anymore because with Tim Lewicki Tim Lewicki was a, a George Steinbrenner type and Will talked about you know George was a winner he didn't care about well he cared about profit but his goal was to win games not to earn money and um, I, I kind of felt like Tim Lewicki was that way. Whatever it took to win. Remember, he's the one that brought Beckham here. And then Robbie Keane was the, the true missing piece of that dynasty. You just don't see that anymore. You don't see any, again, sense of urgency. You don't see any moves. You don't see any uh, attempt to correct this. Now, they had a little bit of success with their hockey team. They made the playoffs the last two years, although last year was a huge surprise that they didn't spend a ton of money on the Kings to try to improve them. And the young players came along much better. And I, I think AEG got lucky with that. It wasn't so much anything that they did. They just sort of won the lottery on those young players developing quicker. But I, I don't see I don't see a plan. I don't feel a culture. And I certainly don't see any urgency uh, of AEG stepping up to say, this is unacceptable. They say that. Th those words are mouthed by people. But the actions speak much louder than the words are, I should say, the inaction. Do they care anymore? I mean, they're making money. They got the Apple money. They got the Herbalife money for it. It's a five-year deal. It's the richest jersey deal in MLS history. Um, they own the stadium. You know, the money's rolling in. Even with the, the those tickets that the, the, the supporters are not using because of the boycott, those tickets have been bought and paid for. A lot of AEG them. AEG has money in the bank, in the bank account. Yeah. So, you know, and, and there were 14,000 in the building, but they sold 18,000 tickets. So that's money that they've made. Do they have to win? Do they care about winning? Good question for Will. You should ask him next time. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'll, we'll, we'll have him back on again and, uh, and, and go over that. But no, I mean, this is, this is where I sit with this. You, you want to know, uh, you know, and listen, there's a lot of really loud mouth people who are going to tell you that you and I fear for our access, Kevin. Um, and that's why we don't criticize. I think all we do is criticize. In fact, we get told all we do is criticize by, by the same people who apparently we fear our access from. Well, um, the, the, on that point real quick, I want to interject at the U S open cup game. When I went to the press box, it was full, which was unusual. The stands mm -hmm. weren't full at, right. the, at, at, this was at, 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 uh, BMO Stadium, the stands were not anywhere close to full, but the press box was full, and I went in, and I didn't have a seat. There's a seating chart there for the media, and there's no seat for me. Yeah. 
And I called down to uh, Crystal, the one of the media relations people for LAFC, and she said she was doing something. She'd be up in 45 minutes. And so I'm just standing there in the press box. And Vicky Mercado, the Galaxy, comes over and says, you really don't have a seat? And I said, yeah, I think maybe – Maybe LFC, LAFC thinks I'm a Galaxy person. They don't want to give me a seat. And she goes, we certainly don't think you're a Galaxy person. So uh, <laughs> I guess. I know. It, it, there's, there's, there's no winning a lot of this stuff. So, I, you know, that type of thing is, is fine. Um, but no, I, I hear it all the time. I, I told you it was very funny. I told you at the beginning of the season, whenever we had started, because we had been going in on the front office and we said things that, you know, that we believe are true, which is what we've always done. Um, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if I get I get bounced from the press box this year. Right. And um, I, I try to be fair with my criticisms because I think that that is owed in any sort of environment. Um, and so, I, you know, I am. Uh, I also I, I tell you what I believe, too. Uh, but, you know, if if eventually people decide that they've had too much of me, one, you don't need to listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to follow me on Twitter. You don't need to do any of those things. I, I understand. Go go follow somebody else who's going to do the job uh, better. Uh, that type of thing. But the other thing is that if if they decide that I'm out, then I'll I'll go out. That's not a big deal. It's it's one of those things I've, that I've always said. I do this as fun. Um, you know, sometimes it's less fun than other times, certainly. Um, but two shows a year, two shows a, a week for, you know, now year 15, you know, I, I think that I've been able to do things, uh, professionally, uh, whenever I try to do it. So anyway, you know, I, the reason you do this is you just want to hang out with me. Look, I'll drive down there and we can have a beer. No, I'm not, I don't want to hang out with you at all. That's not definitely not what it well, is. Uh, you may remember in the winter during, during training camp, uh, I wrote a couple of columns that were really super critical of the galaxy. And I said, I didn't think this was a very good team. And I think it was put together and things were going, remember the Julian Araujo thing, which, you know, uh, uh, apparently wasn't the galaxy's fault, but when did they ever screw something like that up? Right. And then they had Grant Sears stay home after they had traded Cabral and it just, everything was going wrong. And I got a lot of calls from galaxy people saying I was uh, being unfair and I was over the top and just you wait and see, man, I look like a prophet now. (laughs) <laughs> is that what it is right well I've, I've always said you know if you're if you're a negative peddler right if you're somebody who likes to go negative that this la galaxy team's for you because if you just say everything sucks and the sky is falling you'd be correct right it's it's one of those it's like you're going to be correct on this one um i just I, you know watching the charlotte game that was the most disheartening performance i think i've seen from from the galaxy since 2017 i've told i've said many times this isn't a 2017 team just because of talent wise right um, well, you made a good point about the Charlotte game when the goal scored and, and it looked like the Galaxy quit. Go back to the D.C. United game. Played so well for, what, 70 minutes? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was a tight game. And then Bond makes the one error, which your teammates at that point got to pick you up. Bond said that he they lost the game because of him. Your teammates need to pick you up at that point. What happened instead? They gave up two more goals in one, a six-minute span. Right. And it went from 0-0 to 3 nothing yeah. in about... 10 minutes, 10 minutes. That's what it was. And it's the whole deal. But I mean, that's disheartening because you're like, you were in that game and you had it. The Charlotte game uh, actually is, is, is interesting. I, I went and looked at the actual uh, possession numbers and it was Charlotte who basically was holding on to the possession or it was 50, 50 for most of this. The galaxy having 52% possession for a game, Kevin is very, very low for them. Um, and especially at home. And I thought Charlotte, uh, I was talking to Scott French. I go, I thought Charlotte played a really, really good game that Charlotte was missing two of their designated players by the way, let's just point that out. 
um, that they came in, traveled all the way across the country, uh, played at a body clock time of 10.30 p.m. Eastern time and got done with that game at, you know, what, 12.30 a.m. Eastern time um, and took it to the Galaxy. And the fact that the Galaxy allowed that to happen uh, is is embarrassing um, for, for sort of how it is because uh, I did think that there were some good teams. I mean, listen, I'm pretty sure Tyler Boyd looks like he broke something in his left hand or something like that. It happened in the second half from what I remember. And then I saw him leaving the stadium with it sort of in a cast. And I was like, oh, man, that's probably not good. Nothing official, obviously, just observations. Um, but, you know, I thought the Galaxy were, were OK and were fighting OK. I thought Charlotte put a ton of pressure on them and the Galaxy had no response. They have no offense. Say what you want about the defense and the defense is giving up goals, but find me some goals. Find me some goals and the Galaxy will start winning games. If the Galaxy can start scoring goals, they will win games. They have scored first in three games this year, Kevin, and one of them was a 3-1 loss to Dallas. All right. The other one was San Jose and Austin, both games that they won. The Galaxy have seven points at home, two points on the road, nine points. I was not kidding whenever I said that if you have 18 points, you're at least 16th, 15th, 16th, 17th. So double the amount of points the LA Galaxy have. It's not like suddenly they're near the top of the league, Kevin. They are so far down at the bottom right now that double their points puts them into a tie for like 17th, 16th, 15th. That's an, a tremendous hole. And even me, who can be perpetually sunshiny, right? Whenever I look at some of these things, Kevin, and I say, look, the 2012 LA Galaxy only had two more points than this 2023 LA Galaxy team, and they won an MLS Cup. Will's not wrong in that effect. The fact is that there have been teams that have been in last place and come back and win MLS Cups and do those types of things. With 29 teams, that seems like that's a lot harder to do this time. And with 14 teams in your conference, again, seems like it's harder to do. Uh, and what what do you see in this team that gives you the the? I mean, again, they they do have the individual talent, but what, from the way that they've played, what do you see on the field that says, yeah, yeah, they're they're on on their way now. This is good. This is going to happen. Yeah, um, it is. It, there's nothing. Uh, it was funny. Uh, this, uh, sports lover in the chat says the Galaxy's leading goal scorer has two goals. By the way, just two. The Galaxy have scored ten goals all season. That's it. Um, so uh, again, problems, problems in that. Ricky, in that. Puj, no, who's the leading goal scorer? Got his I believe Jovalich. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause Puj got one in the U S open cup. That yeah. didn't count. Yeah. Chicharito got one, you know, the whole day. Well, you know, and, and this is why I say the U S open cup hasn't counted yet. Cause the galaxy haven't played MLS competition yet in the U S open cup. So I'm waiting for that to happen in order for you to say, Oh no, this tournament is different than major league soccer. That might happen against real salt Lake. Whenever they go back, not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday. So anyway, those are the things uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the game coming up on Wednesday as well. Uh, the LA galaxy uh, headed to uh, Sandy, Utah to play against uh, real salt Lake. This game, 6 30 PM, 6 39 PM Pacific time um, is your kickoff. So 6 39 PM is your kickoff. This game is free on Apple. Apple TV, so you don't have to break any uh, any barriers or or uh, pirate any streams. This is one of those free games that they have. Now, the interesting thing about this is that RSL has not been playing well. Um, that being said, I think they're a better team than maybe the results have sort of uh, pushed for them recently. Um, also, game is at altitude. Game is at altitude for the Galaxy. Galaxy just played on Saturday. Galaxy will travel on Tuesday. They're going as late as possible in order to try to negate the effects of, of altitude. Um, so I imagine they'll train Tuesday morning and then travel Tuesday afternoon. All right. Um, 
you know, they they beat Colorado in Colorado. Then they went and they sort of drew with Minnesota um, in Minnesota. So they're traveling back as that comes. The real thing here is to sort of watch these games. Because what we have, Kevin, is we have a Wednesday game against Real Salt Lake. And then Real Salt Lake will go and play against... Um, uh, Austin in Austin on Saturday, June 3rd. The LA Galaxy have a bye that weekend. They're not playing any games. So the Galaxy won't lose this weekend, Kevin. I can guarantee that. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's sort of uh, fun to say. Uh, you can have a worry-free weekend for this LA Galaxy team on this one. Um, then you go ahead and you look at uh, what happens is the Galaxy then head in there for the U.S. Open Cup. So they basically are going to play Salt Lake on Wednesday night in MLS uh, season play, regular season play, and then a week from there, they'll play them in the Open Cup. The fact that RSL has a Saturday game and it's away somewhere in Austin um, does help the LA Galaxy in that. But again, it'll matter who the LA Galaxy face in that Real Salt Lake side because we've talked about it before. They're three wins away from a trophy right now. They've just been getting lucky with rotated teams and everything else that have been going on that they haven't played uh, MLS level competition yet. So, uh, and, it, and that that day off is or that buy is big for the galaxy where they play uh eight games in may mm-hmm. uh let's see so i have six and then they had two open cup games um or excuse me no there's that open cup game so i think they ended up playing seven in may it may okay. have been eight let me see if i have the schedule here somewhere or at least i thought i had the schedule here somewhere i know i clipped it i knew i was missing stuff whenever i was putting things together tonight because i uh, i clipped a whole bunch of stuff but i didn't see it but um I'll look it up while we while we sort of go. But that's that's the reality that the L.A. Galaxy currently live in. Right. Is that, um, you know, they have a chance to play RSL twice. It's at altitude. Know the L.A. Galaxy. And I explained this on Thursday night. I'll explain it again. The L.A. Galaxy will come straight back after the game on Wednesday night. Uh, They will train here for the week and then they will fly back out there, I believe, Tuesday afternoon again to basically do the whole trip over again. And the reason is to negate the effects of the altitude. You get in there as late as you possibly can, or you get there two to three weeks early. Those are those are your choices. Well, and the reason I bring up the number of games and the and the buy is when you are going when a team is going poorly, um, it, it just seems the games are coming you know one right after the other, and you don't get a chance to go to the training pitch and work on some things. Maybe try a new formation. Maybe try new combinations. You don't have the chance. You need to go with what you the way you've been playing because there's a, another game in two days. Uh, the, the Galaxy having a, a week between games, I think, will be a big help. The other thing is sometimes when you're going poorly, you want the games to come quickly because a- after a loss, the, the first thing you want to do is go back out there and try to win again, try to prove yourself again. Um, the Galaxy are sort of beyond that. I think they need to get away from the field. And I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Gannon gave them a couple of days off just to clear their heads and then come back and work on some things before they go back to Salt Lake. Yeah, um, if you want to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You were right. Eight games in May, which will eventually be. Uh, I, I, w- I was what again? You were right. It's one time that happened. Um, then, oh, the, So yeah. the LA Galaxy are on the road to Salt Lake, 531. Then it, you go into June, 6, 7. They're on the road. Uh, on the road, 6, 11, uh, whenever they play against St. Louis. So the LA Galaxy don't have a home game again until 621, LA Galaxy. And Sporting Kansas City, an interesting little lineup there. But basically, the entire month of June, save for one game, is on the road. Um, so, if you, uh, by the way, Kevin, how many games have the LA Galaxy won on the road? Zero. I was going to answer for you. I didn't want you to guess wrong. Um, the US Open Cup game. Th- those don't count. Not, not give it, give it, so, give, give it a little bit. Yes. Six twenty-one. Are the supporters back? 
621 of the supporters back. I mean, I would love to tell everybody that things are going to change. I don't know that we've been given even a shred of evidence that they are. And the fact they don't play for another until 621 at home, does that mean that nothing will change because it doesn't have to? If there's not going to be a home game, um, why do they? I mean, other than the fact that they keep losing, where's the pressure yeah, to I, do something about this? Yeah, it, it hasn't been. Uh, I don't know that there there has been a whole bunch of uh, of pressure. The Galaxy 05 and 2 on the road, by the way. So two points gained on the road. Um, I, I also wanted to point out, I did have this chart um, before we completely go. Um, goals for, goals against, that type of thing. I would like to point out that in 14 games, the LA Galaxy have been shut out in seven of them. Seven. Oh, so wow. half of them, they have failed to score a goal. Um, so three goals in the last six games. Yeah. And, and there's one, two, three, four, five times in those 14 games, their opponent has scored three goals. Um, three goals or more, but it hasn't been more yet. It's just been three. Uh, I'll tell you this, the LA galaxy, uh, under Greg Vanny have only ever lost three games in a row. That's it. Um, so that has been their sort of dividing line. Things have always turned around after the third loss in terms of not losing again. So it's four. Um, I don't know that you can look at this and say that the LA Galaxy are anywhere near a, doing anything that would be a positive spin against Real Salt Lake in Salt Lake at altitude on a shorter week um, that says that they won't get the fourth loss. I mean, you know, I'm I'm being I think I'm being being realistic. I thought Charlotte would be a win. There were a lot of things going for the LA Galaxy. I actually talked to uh, Mark Rogan Dino before the game because I was walking past and he saw me and we said hi real quick. Um, and he said. Uh, very, he was like, he was like oh, this, you know, he was sort of like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I mean, there seems like there's a lot of things going for the LA galaxy, right? This time you feel like they're going to get it. And then that didn't happen. Um, so uh, again, anytime you think that the LA galaxy have turned a corner anytime in 2023, you think the LA galaxy have hit rock bottom. Uh, they have proven you wrong. So do you continue to be proven, pr- proven wrong, Kevin, or do you eventually just go with the flow and float downstream? Yeah, whenever they seem to be turning the corner, they turn into oncoming traffic. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, somebody did point out that this chart, uh, the one, the points per month chart, is frightening uh, because I color code it with losses, draws, and wins. And there's two, yeah, green, a lot of red. two green squares, uh, three uh, three yellow squares, and then um, absolutely nothing but red squares wow. all over the place. You know what? Not a, they haven't had a draw since March. That's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I mean... You know, they got some zero zero draws on the road against some bad teams at the time. So that's those realistically, you might look at those as maybe wins, but the, you know, that, that hasn't been the case. So, yeah, uh, they got two points in games they didn't even score. Uh, let's see again, uh, LA Galaxy versus Real Salt Lake coming up on May 31st. Uh, that is Wednesday, May 31st, 6 30, 6 39 p.m. is your kickoff time on MLS Season Pass, Apple TV free. So that's what we have. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's where we can wrap this up. A big thank you again to, to Will Kuntz. Uh, and I sincerely mean that it, it, it's, I don't know that anybody should really want to get on any podcast at this point. If you're the LA galaxy, maybe hiding is the correct response to a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, Will came on and I appreciate that. That's definitely a tip of the hat as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because I think maybe I just want to stay in my room with yeah, the lights off. Yeah. We're not getting any, any answers from anyone above him. So, yeah, um, thanks a lot for coming on. It's certainly, certainly a big deal. Um, anything else, Kevin, or are you good? I'm tired, man. Uh-huh. I woke up in another time zone. 
<laughs> you did you did you did wake up in another time zone. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to LA Times for all of Kevin's soccer writing, all that fun stuff. It's right there, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, still working on the website. We'll get that back up and running. All right. Uh, again, big thanks to Will Koontz for coming on the show and talking with us, and hopefully we'll have him back uh, again real soon. All right. So for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>